average response time for B2B businesses is up to 48 hours, which is crazy. You essentially drop the possibility of you getting a sale by 300% if you don't respond within the first five minutes. Welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast with your host, Chris Anderson. In this show, Chris and his guests will share their knowledge and experience on how to go from zero to successful entrepreneur. They have built their businesses from scratch and are now ready to give back to those who are just starting. Let's get ready to learn, grow, and elevate our businesses. And now your host, Chris Anderson. All right, welcome back to another recording of the Elevate Media Podcast. I'm Chris Anderson, your host. Today, we're going to dive into the topic of marketing, which is a big topic. So we're going to break it down a little bit and try to keep things simple for you as you're trying to grow your business online. What are some steps you can take to better market yourself so you can have more success and better growth this year? And to do that, I brought on an expert in the field. He's had over 10 years of experience in advising B2B businesses in marketing. He's helped numerous companies build their marketing teams from scratch and delivering successful go-to-market deployments as well as launching new products into the market. So I'm excited to learn from him. I'm excited for you to learn from him. Today, we have Nathan Young on the show today. Nathan, welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yeah, looking forward to diving into this topic. Before we get into that, though, all the ins and outs of marketing and how we can do it better and streamline it a little bit for an icebreaker, in the green room, we were going through a couple of them and seeing what would be the best one. And I was unsure if he would want to do this one, but he is, oh, absolutely. I got some sage wisdom for it. And Nathan, what's the best hangover cure? It's it's really surprising. So I, I had a previous life in the entertainment business. So let's just say I had a lot of late nights. So it's actually really simple. And I'm surprised a lot of people don't do this. And I've done this for a lot of my 30s. I take two Advils right before I go to bed. And it's really that simple. And I've explained this to a lot of people and they go, really? That's all it is? I was like, I take two Advils before I go to bed. And the next morning, I'm more or less fine. You're not going to have the same amount of energy, but you're not going to have that bad hangover. And it's incredible. It's that simple. Have that with some electrolytes and everything. I can almost guarantee you're going to feel a lot. Better. So that's what I do. Okay. Hey, that's pretty simple. I like it. Hopefully this marketing advice we dive into will be just as simple for everybody to follow now. What's your go-to? Are you a rum guy? Are you a tequila guy? I'm, a, I'm like Russian. I'm like straight awesome. vodka sodas. So I can go vodka sodas all night. That's yeah. my drink of choice. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely a bourbon whiskey guy. That's where I lean towards. But no, Nathan, excited to break down this marketing topic for those listening. Again, marketing is a big term, but what would you say for somebody who's starting out, starting their business, their coaching business, what's the first thing they should think about when thinking about marketing? So I, we, at my business, we really believe in this like philosophy is there's two key things when it comes to marketing. One is that marketing tactics sustainable, which means can you actually like consistently do this thing through time? And then the other one, is it practical? Meaning, is it something that you can actually execute well on? And so you want to pair the two together. I've had a lot of conversations with lots of other fractional and sole business owners. And I go, what do you as a person like? Do you, are you a phone call person? Are you a technical person? Are you a person? And that's going to define your first stage of marketing. And the reason is because you need to do what you do well in. Because when you have a marketing tactic, you have to think about it as you have like this one small opportunity to move the needle, influence someone. And if you can't do that, then you're just wasting time. So I really just say, be honest with yourself. If you don't like being in person, 
try emailing. Do, doing in person, plan events, or go to conferences. If you hate all of these things, then you're going to have to figure out some other source for your mark. So that's the first thing. So be honest with yourself. The second thing is be also honest with yourself on what you think is actually unique. Very seldomly do we actually come across companies that truly have a unique selling proposition, something like completely unique that no one else has. We use a term called category benefit. Category benefit is a benefit that every company has within the category. So all banks give you money. That's a category benefit. Gotcha. But what bank does it better? And so the other thing I say is maybe you shouldn't be unique. Maybe what you should think about is what category benefit you do the best. And mm. that's what makes you truly unique. So it's not uniqueness in the sense that no one else is doing it. It's uniqueness in the sense of experience and provability to actually execute well that yeah. you can actually say, so-and-so does it, but I could, here's 32 touch points. There's 32 proof points that I do it way better. Gotcha. And that's a great point because when you're starting out, you, you hear about have your unique selling proposition or whatever your unique statement in your business, what makes you unique. And I think a lot of times people go to what's completely different. What's something I do different than everyone else? And I think what you just said there is what do I do best within the category that I'm in better than everyone else? I think that's a huge just perspective shift on it that can really help people marketing their stuff. Yeah, because you get lost and then you end up making things that like don't isn't even true. You're like, oh, this is unique, but you're not really that unique, right? And then the other thing is that your buyer is probably educated enough to know that you're not. So when you say you're unique, you're probably already saying something that they're not like super excited. Yeah, that's true. They've, they figured out maybe their best sending emails or whatever that is. And they figured out what they do best within the category that they're in. What's the next step then to really market themselves correctly? What works and why does it work that well? The next step is figuring your own true traction. The thing I say is that when you're a business that depends purely on referrals, we call that or consider that a high touch point, which means it's a high touch point, which means it's essentially if you can actually do it, influences people a lot, and therefore you have a high closing rate. Why that's a bit of an issue is one, it's incredibly not scalable. So as a business, like you can't scale that. There's only so many hours in the day you can be in person, like talking mm -hmm. to people. The second thing is it's too high of a touch point, meaning even if you fucked 300 times in a meeting, um, too many times you screwed up on a benefit statement, whatever, you have all this time to fix this. So the next step in, in essentially scaling your marketing is, can I actually get someone through cold email? Can I actually get someone through a cold ad? That's really the next step. That's yeah. where if you truly have something that you know you can do better, or you've written it so that it's actually unique in the market. If you can actually start getting people through low touch points, then you really start seeing the scalability of that business. So the next thing is, can I actually get people through a cold email? Can I actually get people through cold, cold calls? Can I actually get people through cold ads? And that's like the next step of growth, right? Yeah, and that for yeah, and with that, with that being able to bring in clients from whatever cold email or cold ad, like how does someone go about that? Do they do you just have them test it, have them put something out there and see what works, or is there a good process to increase your chances? So I think hopefully, if you're a business owner right now and you have some clients, you can start with those clients. So the first thing you can say is, why did you choose me? 
ultimately, why did you actually use me as a vendor or why did you sign with me? And that's going to give you your first pain points and benefit points obviously resonate with someone because you have them as a client. That's going to start your early stage messaging. If you want to start understanding your messaging even further, you can actually do A-B split tests on, um, you call it Facebook or LinkedIn. And more importantly, you have to understand that when you spend this money, while conversions is a goal and you want to have leads, you should also think about this. This is a marketing experiment for research. So if you have two ads to the same target audience and you clearly see a click-through rate that's far better on one ad, then you know that messaging is resonating far better. So you mm. can have these kind of baby steps. So you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. You could run a $5 a day, like a $5 a day app. And you can, gen- you can honestly see one ad is performing better than the other. That's going to give you an indication that's closer to what people want to read. That's closer to the pain points that they want. So first start with your customers, then start with some actual like test. Okay. Yeah, no, and that's a great way to go about it. And obviously testing is always important, whether that be in the titles of your episodes or of your content, the keywords you use, things like that. And same with your ads. So you've gotten that feedback from your clients. You started implementing into ads. What are some other good marketing tips that you need to be aware of besides just reaching out and having those conversations with people who are putting ads out? Is there anything else people a lot of times maybe miss in their marketing plans? I think what a lot of people miss about their marketing plans is they generally forget that all of their customers are lazy. Hmm. Like when you're selling to anyone, they don't actually want to talk to five, six, seven vendors. We all like to think (laughs) that we're price conscious. We all do. We all genuinely want to go, yeah, yeah, like I'm a price conscious person. I don't just buy the first thing I see. But the reality is you, me, Whoever's listening, you can tell me right now, you ain't shopping at 55 gas stations to save two cents. You're shopping at two, right? And then you're making a decision. So when it comes to marketing, you got to think about, do I actually have enough content online, whether that's on your website or in your brochures or in your proposals that gives them enough information to make a decision? And I think often a lot of us feel, oh, I don't want to put all that into the market. You know, I don't want, I don't want my competitors seeing it. I don't want them knowing my pricing, but the reality is that let's go back to this gas station. No one wants to go to 55 gas stations. We're not actually going to do that work. So the reality is they're going to go to two or three people and they're probably going to feel most comfortable with one of those people that give them the most amount of information to make a decision. And so I think that's really important. We have to remember people are lazy, so we have to make it easy which means we have to have good content for them to digest and make a decision. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, content is so big because the more, and please correct me because, you know, podcasting and video stuff is my expertise, but with the content we put out there, doesn't that shorten the, the quote unquote sales cycle, the sales process, because they're already getting touches basically from you through your video content, which kind of warms them up a little bit more to your like landing page and thing versus if you were just a complete cold landing page visit? Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Like, I, you know, in, in, in a lot of sales cadences now, so mm-hmm. follow-up sequences, a lot of business development or account managers are sending Loom videos. And Loom videos is a tool that you can use on Chrome that will allow you to create a very easy to use kind of screen share video. And the reason why that's so powerful is because 
they are, they're keeping in mind that we're all busy, right? So if I haven't rejected you yet, but you've given me now a video that gives me a bit more detail of your services, you've now given me the option to educate myself any time of the day. So whether that's me between meetings, whether that's at night between my meal and vegetation time on Netflix, like whatever it is, it's given me the opportunity to consume information that I probably want at the time I want. So when you produce this content, when you have it available for people can learn at their own pace. And so it is a little bit like that product-led growth model in the sense of have enough content there where someone can essentially learn themselves to educate themselves to the point of comfortability. So all of these is what we call at FYA, it's the journey from zero to 100. So that's why I've used the term touch points. So our philosophy is every sale is a journey from zero to 100. And what you have to focus on are the touch points that are sustainable and practical. And then what, and then ultimately map out what you think is going to move the needle for you, work from there, then work on these smaller parts that allow people to self-guide themselves to that purchase. Yeah. And so with those touch points, you, you mean the content, the emails until they finally get like to the landing page, basically. Yeah. To, to what we just call is like a hundred points. It's basically yeah. like, I'm sold. I want to have a conversation. Cool. Yeah. So where do you think people who aren't getting the results, they say, I ha- I'm doing all this. Nathan, I'm, I've got the touch points. I got the landing page. I, I, I'm doing all this, but I'm not getting results. Where do you think the gap would be there? That's a, that's a, it's a bit of a big nebulous question. It could yeah. be a ton of things. It could be wrong messaging. It could be not enough volume. It could be your services aren't intuitive enough. It could be you're not responding fast enough. I put out a, a, a little marketing by talking about how the average response time for B2B businesses is up to 48 hours, which is crazy. It's insane. You essentially drop the possibility of you getting a sale by 300% if you don't respond within the first five minutes. So you can imagine if you're building a business and you're a one-man shop or a one-woman shop or whatever, just one person, if you're not responding fast enough, you're losing that deal. Like every, every minute past five minutes, like you're decreasing the probability of them remembering. So it could be a, lo- a variety of different things. I feel if someone is getting scale and they have a ton of traffic, meaning like they have a lot of people reviewing their videos, they're going to their website, it's probably a messaging thing. It's probably either the content is mismatching with the audience or the service is not strong enough of a message to the audience. So it's going to be one or the other. Gotcha. How can we go about improving our messaging if that was a thing? That, that would be, again, just, I think, a lot of feedback. I think one of the best things I've ever heard was don't ask for, don't ask for just like specific feedback, but ask, what could I do better instead? And I find that when you ask, what can I do better? People do give you a little bit better answers in the sense of what you should be saying or how you should be saying it. And that will help guide um, your messaging. So I think the one thing that's really important, especially for any business owner at the very early onset of your business is Try your best to always have active customer feedback loops in anything that you do. Always make sure that when you're selling, that you're asking for that feedback. When you're closing, you're asking that feedback. When you're setting the materials, you're asking feedback. Anything to constantly make sure that you're getting this level set of, this is not just your vision of your business. This is feedback coming from customers. And you will probably see a delta at a certain point. You'll see a part where like your vision and like what a customer sees is just like not the same. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think that's crucial is listening, listening to those you're already serving, listening to those you're trying to serve. And I think tweaking things 
from that, I think will definitely create a, a more positive growth trajectory for your business for sure. Yeah. Market, like how do, you know, is, do you have any, I don't know if it's the right word. I don't like using hacks or tips for someone who is maybe on their own or maybe just a couple people to build out a good marketing strategy without being overwhelmed because there are a lot of options. Like you said, choosing what's best for you, whether it be email or in person, but there's still a lot to do. So is there anything that you suggest people do to keep it simple, even more than, you know, just trying to figure out what path to take? Yeah, I think to keep it simple, it goes back to this customer journey touch point kind of model or philosophy Mm -hmm. believe in. Go through an anecdotal experience, right? Just be like, if you were to buy the service, where do you think you get influence? Would you be convinced by a magazine ad? Would you be convinced of a LinkedIn ad? Are you going to be superiorly convinced from a referral? And and then when you do that, look at this anecdotal t- touchpoint map that you've created for yourself and ask yourself, okay, what can you do sustainably and practically, right? C- can you influence any of these touchpoints and do them well through time? And that's where you're going to focus on. Don't focus on everything. Focus on the one or two touch points in this anecdotal map of yours that you know you can do well and focus on that and don't do anything else. Because the one thing that's so common is you always have these entrepreneurs and they want to do everything, right? So they do the podcast, they do the LinkedIn, they do the emails, but they're just doing it all terribly, right? It's So you're spreading yourself thin. And the reality is you're not doing any of them well. You're then going to get also to in a negative reinforcement loop where you're going to be like, it's not doing well, so it doesn't work. That's incorrect. Everything works. I can attest to this. Everything works in every market. It's just whether or not you have the time, money, and expertise to find out exactly how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big one too. Because you, you think starting out bootstrapping, most of the time you don't have the funds and just being able to do it on your own, sacrificing a little time to get it done and just re- Really picking one avenue basically is what you're saying and get really good at it. Absolutely. Because we hear this all the time. People are like, oh yeah, this works. All these work for different people, but it's because they likely execute well. That's Mm. the the caveat, right? So I always tell people solutions are easy. Execution is not, right? So anyone can say, do emails, it'll work. Do ads, it's going to (laughs) work. Create a product, it's going to work. But if that's not the case, it's how well you execute all these solutions. That's what makes it work. So for sure. Don't think that you can, you can't be an expert on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google AdWords if you've never done them before. Yeah. And that's huge. And that's something we're looking into is the ad side of things because right now it's been all organic referrals and it's been amazing. And so we're just trying to take it to the next level. And so, yeah, definitely not an expert in that realm. And so that'll be an exciting time to be able to implement some of that. And like you said, do $5 a day and A-B tests. But I'm curious, Nathan, when you first started out, because everyone starts out at a certain spot, it has to grow and overcome things. What was your market? What was that one thing you did for marketing that you did really well and executed well on? Oh, that's a good question. So my background's a little funny, right? So I, I didn't just do marketing. I had a bit of a finance background and a management consulting background. And so one of the things I thought about when we first started our business, like we were starting with like small one, $3,000 retainer contracts, tiny mm-hmm. little things. And the reality was like, I'm not, we're not going to scale from this. It's too much work. And, and I think the biggest thing for me was I look, I take a lot of the business philosophies that come from different industries and I try to apply it and I go, let's look at this like a channel distribution model, right? Mm -hmm. Who's my distributor? 
who's going to help me distribute and influence at the same time? And so we started realizing, or at least, you know, myself started realizing the biggest influencers are actually large investors. So we work with a lot of private equity firms and also venture capital firms because ultimately they have a lot of influence. So if we can provide proof of value, then I don't need to sell the operator. Yeah. And most operators and most people, there's a study out there that basically says the level of skepticism for different types of business services. I'll try to find it and send it to you. So yeah, that'd be great. On your podcast. But it literally showed that marketing services on average across every industry is the most suspect service. <laughs> people are the most suspect to marketing. Mm-hmm. We get the most suspicion. So rather than trying to navigate that, it was more like, where are we going to just get someone who will influence, but then can do this at scale? So I want the in-person, but I don't want to be the person doing it. So how do I, so how do I get five people who are going to talk to five people for me? Yeah. And that was really the scaling of like word of mouth and referrals. And so that's what we did really well. And originally, some of our business really came from our own community events which was branded really just around business, not around marketing. And referrals really came from that to get the business going. And then obviously we've crossed the chasm now. We have case studies, we have everything. So now we can actually go direct to different channel partners, as we like to call them. And essentially they can feel comfortable with us to essentially hire us. And then we do a proof case and then essentially move forward. Cool. No, that's awesome. And it's neat to see different people's journey and progression, how you started and how you figured out. and. I like that. And that's something we've also been thinking about is doing more local in-person things because I'm headquartered in Indiana and I love talking to people and especially in person. Like this is the next best thing is online virtually. And so I'm like, I really enjoy that. So why don't we do what you're saying? Like community events, guiding people almost with their marketing or how to get more, get seen more through video podcasting basically and show them and implement how to implement it and things like that and just let them let the business through those connections and referrals from those yeah i think that's a cool thing that you you mentioned there with your story it was that's the thing that stuck out to me there a lot yeah cool like you said marketing kind of gets the skepticism a lot of the times why do you think that is i think it's actually inherent with our job okay. our job is to one of my employees says she said you know what do you do and she said, you make complex simple. That's what, mm. she, that's what she described my role as. And, uh, and I think when it comes to it is like our job is to make things simple when they're not. And that's almost the crux of our own profession, right? Yeah. When we sell you a shiny widget, we make the shiniest widget, the easiest widget possible for you to use. Thank you, Salesforce, for having the most yeah. antiquated Salesforce tool but you have literally a full ecosystem of people who have to implement it for you. That's how complex it is, right? So if you think about it, Salesforce is like a perfect example of a shiny widget that is actually incredibly complex. So there's an ecosystem yeah. of businesses that essentially are being paid to implement a complex product, but still people <laughs> buy it. So our entire job is almost, is almost like an, our own uphill battle because we do such a good job making things simple that we have actually a lot of people who think marketing is really simple because that's our job, right? So by doing our job better, we actually make it seem like it's easy. And Mm -hmm. if it's easy, then everyone can do it. And because everyone can do it, I do think there's a lot of bad. I'll be honest. I've talked this with a lot of my colleagues. There's a lot of people don't know or have never implemented 
their own solutions before. Mm-hmm. Me can, they can say, hey, you need to do email, you can do ads. That's easy. But have you ever done it? Have you ever taken it across the finishing line? And a lot of times it's no, mm-hmm. because there's very few opportunities in life to do this work. And there's not a lot of jobs that give you this opportunity across different channels. So if you think about it, like marketing is so broad, we make it easy. So I think because of the combination and the bad actors, there's a lot of poor bad experiences. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And yeah, I think it's the same thing in the podcasting world and things of that nature. It's people see maybe a, something they can hop on and try to build something from, but they don't have the experience. And so it ends up putting a sour taste in some people's mouths. No, yeah, that's very true. You know, we're getting close to time on this episode. It's been a great conversation so far. I really enjoyed it. And a lot of good things you've put out there for the listeners to be able to go and implement, which I appreciate. Uh, Thinking back on your journey, we all have our journey and it happens for a reason. And we go through what we have to go through to get to where we are today. So I I was asking this question, if you could go back, what would you tell your younger self? And a lot of people are like, probably nothing because I had to go through what I went through to get to where I am. And so if you were to go back and talk to your younger self, is there anything you would tell young Nathan to encourage him or keep him moving forward? Maybe not, hey, don't do this, but would you give him any sort of motivation or encouragement in any way? So one of the things that I've learned was scale causes problems. And as a business owner, you want to do everything you can do to scale your business. And there's two things that come from this. One, time tested saying focus. Everyone says that and you go, I do that. But trust me, focus, focus on key things. Because when you cheap out on things that help you scale, you won't realize that until you don't cheap out. I'll give you an example. Like we spend, Mm. we spend a God awful amount on SaaS tools, God awful amount. And, but I will simply say, there's a part of me that's very Chinese and I don't like to spend money sometimes. I don't see <laughs> the difference between the individual license and the team and agency license. I'm like, no, yeah. I don't need $300. And then I do it. And then like it saves six or seven of my team members like 30 minutes a day. And what I would simply say is focus on the fact that you need to focus is actually what it is and enable that focus and trust in the fact that when you need something that is a little bit more expensive that you can provide efficiencies and scale, pay for it. It, it seems painful when you do it, but it brings dividends, especially when you get the scale. And so I would say that's the one thing that I've learned the most is just don't be cheap on things that help you because they will. Yeah. And yeah, the investment, you got to take those investments and be smart with them. But yeah, don't cheap out on those. I agree on that for sure. So Nathan, again, great advice there to round things out. So I'm sure people want to get connected with you and find out more about what you do and just continue to learn from you. So what's the best avenue for them to do that? Yeah. I think if you look up my name on LinkedIn, it should be the first. So if you look up Nathan Young on, on LinkedIn, that's one way. The other way is you can find me either on TikTok and or Instagram marketing bites. So that's bites with a Y. If you look that up, you should be able to find one of our, one of our pages. So we're awesome. posting kind of daily snippets of one minute shots of some marketing things that we talk about. But if you really want to see or contact me, then it's definitely one of my favorite platforms. Cool. Awesome. And that's young, Y-E-U-N-G, guys. Make sure that's you're talking right. the right one for sure. But yeah, get connected with Nathan, follow him, learn from him. Just do what you can until you're able to invest in his services if it's right for you. And yeah, just go out there and focus and continue to scale. So again, Nathan, thank you so much for being on the Elevate Media podcast today. No, thank you. No, it's been great. 
Thank you for listening to the Elevate Media Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. See you in the next episode.